Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. For a believer to pray in the name of the Lord has many connotations, but some of the connotations that that verse in James 5 has is to pray in faith in his character, understanding his characteristics, and believing in his power of love and his compassion. Healing today, while it is believed, in many, many Bible-believing churches, it is placed way in the background without clear communication of divine instructions. We have said in the past that the principle that the Lord doesn't do miracles today is a lie from the pit of hell. The fact that Lord, the Lord healed, as I was taught the first five years of being a Christian, I was given Acts 10.38 and Mark 2.10 and a verse from Isaiah and 1 Corinthians 13.11. And I remember it very well. And I was given the Hebrew and the Greek that the Lord will no longer do what he did because he did it then in the New Testament in Matthew 9 to fulfill Isaiah. They had a packed case. Anyone that thinks wouldn't accept it for a moment, even though you believe in dispensations as a unifying purpose of God's word and the plan of God. The Lord has spiritual principles, spiritual laws, tremendous promises, resurrection power available, and desires to draw the believer into a place of looking at him and setting him before their face and not being moved in Psalm 16:8. And the Lord always has been moved with compassion, always will be moved with compassion always has loved people, always will love people. And he didn't heal people when he was on earth to prove he was God. That, that may have happened in, in Mark 2.10 and Acts 10.38. I can assure you he, he healed people because he loved them and had compassion and was moved to help them. Now, the purpose of the introduction of this message is very simple, is to get you to understand what it means to pray in the name of the Lord, because it means to pray in his nature. Now, let me explain. Genesis 22, the title of the Lord in the compound Hebrew word is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And in that verse, of course, he provided a substitute in place of Isaac. And the Lamb of God was provided instead of us in John 1.29 in 1 Peter 3.18, the just for the unjust. But it means far more than that, although, of course, that is the cardinal meaning. Jehovah Jireh. Then we have in the Word of God another tremendous name for God, the compound word, which is Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. Judges 6.24, the Lord is peace. So, if I understand about the Lord, I'll understand that He's all in all. He's creator, redeemer, sustainer, and He's the God of peace. He's a righteous God. And uh, then this, Jehovah Ra'ah, which means He's a God of the past, the present, and the future pertaining to His work. 
He takes care of the past, takes care of the present, takes care of the future. And everything can be left in His hand. And you don't have to whine or cry or be troubled or heavy burdened because the Lord has everything in the past under control, everything in the present, and everything in the future. Then, the one I want you to see is another one, is this one. And it's very, very important because it deals with something that a pastor must keep in front of his people. Jehovah Shammah. And Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is there. Now, there's a lot of people that need a ministry that believes in power, that needs a pastor that believes in healing, that needs a people that believe in God's deliverance. You don't need to be given a, a hyper-dispensational teaching that eliminates the possibility of the dynamite of God doing something wonderful for your soul and body. You need to know that the Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is there for the emotions that have been wounded. The Lord is there for the body that has been sick for months. The Lord is there for the marriage that is troubled. The Lord is there for the sin-driven soul that can't seem to get victory over a besetting sin. The Lord is there over all the guilt complexes and, and insecurity complexes and inferiority complexes. The Lord is there for the people that live in phobias and schizophrenia. The Lord is there for the person that has no real hope of happiness because of adversity. And there's something that we need to constantly, every message, keep before you. The Lord is there. And then, the compound word that leads into the message. In Exodus 15:26, b and it's so vital, Jehovah Rapha. And it means the Lord heals. It means he heals mentally, emotionally, physically. That's what it means precisely. The Lord heals mentally, emotionally, physically. I'd just like to weep and walk across this platform and say, the Lord heals. Until the Spirit somehow makes it more than knowledge. Makes it more than dispensations. Makes it more than a doctrine. Makes it more than, than something you've read. Makes it more than an argument. But makes it a living hope. A living faith. A living reality. That makes it a very living possibility. Now, first of all, in relationship to the Lord's healing, I sort of think tonight that my Heavenly Father has a far greater degree of compassion than I do. And I have some in my limited sinful body and my powerful believer priesthood saved by grace. You can't tell me that God doesn't have compassion on the sick, on the hungry, on the needy, because that isn't His plan today. You won't convince me. 
You can throw at me your dispensation and maybe I knew it before you did. You can give me exegesis and go ahead, but maybe I could give it to you right back. No, sir. The Lord didn't weep and groan in Lazarus' grave and then in the second time in John eleven thirty seven, groan with an amazing loud noise for any other reason. And he knew he was going to raise Lazarus. And he knew he was going to save folks. Why did he groan? People's burdens and sorrows and heartaches of sin and sickness and disease overwhelming him. He cared. He didn't weep over Jerusalem because of the letter of the law in Luke 19.41 and Matthew 23.37-39. The Lord Jesus Christ is tender, compassionate, loving, powerful, discerning, sensitive, and desires to heal, to deliver, to save, to comfort, to build up, to edify, to forgive, to forget, to restore, to reconcile, to reinstate, to reinforce, and to have a very intimate personal relationship. That's the God of I know. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, He is love. Now, I want you to think. He made this statement to Israel. And while it dealt with their sin... It, Primarily, it also related to their sickness and their failure and their heartache, etc. He said, how many times I would have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. But you would not. He said, you would not come unto me that you might have life. You search the scriptures, but you'll not come unto me that you might have life. In John five thirty nine and 40. In Matthew 9, 2, they couldn't be saved because they didn't believe. And in Mark 9, 6, the people in Nazareth in Matthew thirteen fifty four and 5 couldn't be healed, very many, because they didn't believe. So unbelief can stop healing just as much as it can stop salvation. Oh, I understand that God is sovereign in Daniel 4.35. I understand that God can heal anyone He wills. I understand Psalm 115.3, that God doeth whatsoever He will. I understand all of that. I'm saying to you that sovereignty is certainly God's plan and God's way, and God will live in His sovereign acts. But I am saying that in His sovereignty and in His decrees, Unbelief stopped healing of the body over and over and over and over again. And while unbelievers could get healed, and God's sovereignty can heal whosoever He will, at the same time, unbelief has been proven to stop healing. Now, God is there. And God heals. And He's the Lord that healeth thee. Now, when he was on earth, he did more than fulfill a passage in Isaiah. He expressed Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shema. He, expect, he expressed that he is the God that provides, that he is the God that heals, that He's the God of the past, the present, and the future, that He is the God of peace. He expressed all of that. 
he expressed that he's a God of compassion, that he's a God that cares, that he's a God that hears, that he's a God that answers, that he's a God that gives life, that he's a God that reveals love, that he's a God that saves, that he's a God that seals, and he's a God that heals. Not only does he send his word to heal in Psalm 107.20, but God also saving. He saves us in healing. He heals us in Jeremiah 17.14 and 3 John 2. He would that our soul prosper and be in good health, or our body rather, as our soul prospers. So tonight, I want you to see the leper got healed and he was a leper. Because God loved him. The blind man's eyes were open, and the other blind man, and on the road of Jericho, Jesus stood still in Mark 10, 48 to 52, because he loved him. And Jesus Christ healed the issue of blood in Luke 18, 44 to 6, for the woman that was excommunicated from religion, ostracized by the community, divorced from her husband, because he loved her. He didn't do it to prove something. He did it because of who he was. I want you to see that no wonder Satan keeps back truth about the nature of God because it keeps people from being saved and healed and forgiven and to get rid of their psychiatric problems in so many cases. Now then, the Lord healed the man who sinned and his sickness related to his sin. In John 5, and said, go and sin no more, lest a worse sickness come on thee. In that case, the sin was because of, the sickness was because of sin. In John 5, 14, and Isaiah 33, 24, he says, the inhabitants of the land shall be healed because their iniquity will be forgiven. So in James 5, sometimes sickness is because of sin, but certainly not all the time. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six to 31, the church at Corinth, many weeks. Sickly and many slept because of sin. Not all the time, certainly, but sometimes. First tonight, God loves to bless people. Secondly, He loves to save people. Thirdly, He loves to restore and heal people. And fourthly, God loves to make people whole. And then I want to say this. Satan, in Luke 13, had a dear woman bent over for 18 years. Job 2, 1-7. Job 23:10. Satan was allowed and permitted by God to cause Job his problems in the angelic conflict. So the Word of God teaches so often that demons possess the child at a very young age. And over and over again, so much sickness and so much disease and so much heartache and so much pain is caused by Satan. Sure, sometimes our cooperation and our mistakes, yes, but other times directly by Satan when we have not made those mistakes. Sometimes God permits it because of the angelic conflict. And so we can minister grace and identify with people. And already this week we have thoroughly preached three messages on the doctrine of suffering and will not reiterate it tonight in the fellowship of his sufferings. However, Jesus Christ desires 
with his word, with his spirit, in his grace, to touch people. I want you to see this. When I think of healing, I think of the God-man. The God-man. He was both God and he was both man and the most unique personality in the universe in his hypostatic union. But I think of the God-man. I say to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. You got hungry, didn't you? Matthew 4. I know you did. I guess you've got a lot of compassion for the hungry in Ethiopia and India. You were cold in John 8. Your body got cold. I guess you know how to be compassionate toward those that are cold, don't have proper clothing, proper fuel. You got tired in Luke 8, didn't you? I guess when people get tired, you know how to identify, don't you? You got your heart broken. Psalm 69, 20. You died of a broken heart. Not because they put the spear in your side. You had to give up the spirit for they did that. That was a voluntary thing on your part because of who you were and you never sinned. You know what it was to have a broken heart, don't you? That's the God man. You were weak when you were crucified in 2 Corinthians 13, 4. Boy, you know how to identify when we get mentally and emotionally and physically weak so we can hardly go on. Don't you? You were separated from your father. And you never sinned. But you were separated in spiritual death in Matthew 27, 46. Three hours of terrible spiritual death because of our sins. You know what it is to be shut off from communion with the Father, don't you? When I think of God's people's needs, I think of the God-man in heaven. The one that's seated at the right hand that passed through the heavens. And seated at the right hand now as a high priest. Whoever liveth to maketh intercession for us in Hebrews 7.26. Who's seated at the approval hand of God in Hebrews 1.3 and 12.2. I think of the God-man. When I weep. Of course, God is one in essence. And, but I think of a human person that had that was incarnated that wept. I want you to think of the God-man towards you. The God-man. See, he identifies. The word sucker in the Greek is a special person in Athens in particular that protected someone, an alien that didn't have any civil rights, and he protected them with the most amazing protection that one could ever be protected with. Now, we are redeemed. We are in God's family. We are saved. And Jesus Christ protects us in his heavenly throne. And I love the words, He careth for you. Cast all your care upon him. He careth for you. First Peter 5, 7. And cast all your burdens at his feet. In Psalm 55, 22. He's a burden-bearing God. And he's a caring God. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. 
Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Luke 5.19, the paralytic, the man with palsy, who his friends brought him to Christ through the rooftop. And uh, that portion of scripture, just thinking, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, um, it talks about God waiting to be gracious to us. The Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait upon him. Thinking of this man, he was paralyzed. And his friends really brought him. Brought him in through the roof. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, (laughs) he says, man, thy sins are forgiven me. That's the first thing he says. And that's always intrigued me because I thought, there are a lot of things, and maybe we read that in the context. The Pharisees get all stirred up by that, and Jesus then addresses them and says, well, which is more difficult for me to, for someone to say your sins are forgiven or to heal, and he heals the man. And maybe that's the part we focus on. But here's this man. He, His friends really were, were the ones that had faith. We don't know his faith. He, we don't see him speak. He, we we know he gets up and walks, as he's commanded to do. But just thinking about God's mindset, why did he say that? Why would he say that first? To look at him and say, your sins are forgiven you, before he would heal him. He could have healed him and then said it as an afterthought. Oh, by the way, your sins are forgiven, you know. You're here to get healed, I'll heal you first, you know. I mean, that's that's the program, right? And no, that, that wasn't God. That wasn't on the mind of Christ. And that God is waiting to be gracious. That he's waiting to be gracious to us. That he sees the root issue. God goes to the root issue first. He cares about our details. He cares about our situation. He cares about the things that are important to us. But the grace of God brings freedom to man. I think that's that's big. And we we see it here also in Mark. And this is... um, the man crying out, uh, Mark 10:48. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto, unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? I like that, even that. Here's a blind man. He's just thrown off his coat. That means he's practically naked. He's naked and blind, and he's crying after Jesus. And now he's standing in front of him. Does Jesus just heal him? Just, he's blind. I mean, what do you think he wants? He says, well, what would you like me to do for you? I want you to ask. I want you to talk to me. I'm blind. Here, heal me. And Jesus heals him. Because he cares. He's waiting to be gracious. God cares about my situation, but he cares about my soul. Yeah. Who who cares about my soul, David said. What man cares about my soul? Christ cares about our soul. 
And then he says to him, this is what he says, I like this part a lot, what should I do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus in the way. But what did Jesus do? What did he do with the woman caught in adultery? What did he do with the woman who's washing his feet with tears? Not only does he heal you, but he says, go your way, you're free. You're free. You're not in bondage. You're not in bondage to me. You don't owe me because I healed you. You don't owe me. I love you. You're free. You're healed. You're forgiven. And you're free. And what does that do? What does that produce in our life? That God is waiting to be gracious to us. That he's waiting to set us free. He came to set the captives free. Not to put people in bondage. To anyone. Not even into himself. And we are servants of the Lord because we willingly make ourselves servants of the Lord. Not because God commands us to be. And you hear these messages. You should serve the Lord. Why don't you serve the Lord? Because the Lord doesn't tell me I need to serve him. He doesn't even tell me that. He says, I love you. You're free. You've come to me. You're free. Not only have I healed you, but I I want to deal with the root issues. And what happened to that blind man? He said, go my way. Guess what? This is my way now. This is my way now. This is it. Why would I want to be around anyone else? Why would I want to go back and do what I was doing before? I have a new life and I have a new friend in Christ. And I want to be with him. And this is what the grace message does in our life. It sets us free so that we can willingly choose to serve. If we want to. If we want to. And in that posture, wow, then God moves. And then things happen, don't they? Then I find a greater life as a servant than I ever had as a, as a free man in bondage to sin and bondage to self. Hmm. I love it. Thank you, God. Hmm. Romans 4, 6 through 8. We'll end with this. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. And it is true. It is a blessing. It is a blessing to be around Christ, to know I'm free, to know he doesn't see me after my sin ever, after my failure. I can walk with him. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's your grace. It's your grace, Lord. Our backslidings teach us a lesson. (laughs) They sure do. We learn that we need grace. We need mercy. Not just a little, not just every once in a while, not just to get healed of my present situation, but to live my life, Lord. So we pray we would just stick close to you. We would stick close to you with our eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith. And that's the freest place to be. Servant of the Lord is the freest place to be. A friend of God. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www. 
www.gracianpublic.com Well, now is the time in our program when we give an opportunity to receive Christ. Maybe you've never prayed before. Lord, I believe in you. I trust you, God. Come into my life. I give myself to you. If you cried out in your heart, if you prayed this prayer, you have a new life. And a Bible is a good thing to get and begin to read. And a church is an awesome thing to be a part of. Please contact us and we'd love to direct you to a local assembly where you can be fed and nurtured up and learn who you are in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 